My people, as we gather this morning, it's already a bittersweet experience. I'm sorry for already being emotional, but the sweetness of worship is something that touches my heart. But tragedy has struck Colorado again. If you didn't have a chance to turn on the radio, there's been another shooting in Colorado Springs. Five are dead, 18 or more wounded. And we gather here to worship and pray, come Lord Jesus, come. Finally bring that time when we will beat all of these swords and spears into plowshares and share in a harvest table and feast forever in the kingdom of God. But let's continue to be a people who can hold this tension of bittersweet. Let us praise our God this morning. Let us bask in his glory and share in his goodness. But let our hearts weep. Let our hearts weep for this world. And let us not become a people who grow cold and indifferent to these news reports because it can happen so easily. I know it. I want to turn off the radio. I want to shut it down. I don't want to deal with it. Let's be people who deal with it and face it and pray for it and seek to keep doing something about it, okay? I just need to pray, and we do have a good word today. Heavenly Father, I pray for brothers and sisters who've lost their lives at the end of a barrel of an angry, bitter, hateful, tormented man. And it is only by the power of the gospel that we could pray mercy and grace upon his soul and ask for his confession to lay his life before you, even as we lift up those who have gone ahead now. Lord, be with their families. Be with servicemen and women who we now are responding, seeking to bring order out of the chaos of that situation. And may your church, may your people, may your light shine into this darkness. May we present a, a message of, of hope and goodness, even as we are willing to stand mourning and weeping with those who suffer, Lord. And we do pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. We long for your return. We long for the time when we will be uh, forever with you in the glory of your kingdom and reigning forever without sin. And the only tears will be tears of joy and happiness and celebration and love and your goodness and grace and glory. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus, and all God's people say, amen, amen indeed. Well, my friends, I was going to start to say I had a very good week uh, when I went off to um, Wisconsin. I, I got to share in a time at Creation at the Crossroads. I am going to resist the urge to inundate you with incredible information and learning and excitement and teamwork that we're trying to uh, spring forth out of this time we had to gather. But um, we aren't going to let that just sort of sit there in the past and not affect our moving forward. I'm looking forward to bringing some new initiatives and some creative ministries that can help bring creation care to the forefront of our 
ministry. But I will say this, I knew that the week was gonna be off to a great start whenever I showed up at the airport and I was standing there in line and the TSA agent said, step forward, young man. And I, uh, I kind of looked around and I, I, I was oh, wow, this is going, so I was off to a great week whenever I was identified yet still as a young man. I think he was just being kind. That said, friends, we're going to jump into the final in our low anthropology series. Let's start today with a little um, call and repeat. Say this with me if you would. You've, I've had you say it before, um, so hopefully you'll remember that. It is one of our signs of belonging. It's one of our values here. We have a value of being bringers to Jesus. We don't just worship God. We don't just invite people to Jesus. We bring people because that's what disciples do. They take people by the hand. They love them to Jesus. So we are bringers. Uh, we are also members. We wanna be members of groups. We wanna be members of the body of Christ here. So we encourage everybody to be a part of membership here in worship and getting a part of a group where you are known and loved and named and you know and love the people and you care for one another. And the third in that list is we always say that we are servers. And we put it this way, Jesus first, say it with me, Jesus first, others second, I'm third. All right, let, now that we know, and I, let's say it, Jesus first, others second, I'm third. That comes from my time doing ministry with summer's best two weeks. It was a sports camp. We played sports, we had competition, we had worship, we had Bible study. We tried to model an I'm third life to the kids. We tried to teach them about the I'm third kind of a life. And it was a beautiful thing because we believe that this thing, this life of putting ourselves, we're not off the podium. Let's just put it that way. That's praise be to God for that. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not in the depths, you know. I'm, I'm on the podium, I made it, but the proper place to be is that third place position. Jesus first, others second, ourselves third. And this, in a sense, is this counterintuitive key to a life of true joy and blessing. A life of true joy and blessing comes with the submission of ourselves, the lowering ourselves to that third place. Status. This becomes very clear, abundantly clear for us in our reading today. One of my favorite passages of the scriptures from Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. God first, Jesus first, others second, I'm third. Looking not to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And here it is. Oh, this is so beautiful. Please, 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 please. Like the sermon should be me reading this and then reading this again and then reading this again. Like really, like, like that's what I should do for the sermon today, but I'm not. So just pay attention here who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, 
he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This is the word of God. Uh, I... I d- I discovered something this week, and and I'm such a nerd, I didn't discover this by actually listening to this. I discovered this by listening to the news, because I'm not a young man, and I listen to the news when I turn on the radio, despite what the TSA agent thought of me. Um, But on the news, they're saying that Ticketmaster crashed this week, and they blame the crash on uh, Taylor Swift, right? Right? So anybody try to get tickets this week? I wish I did, because they're being resold for uh, upwards of uh, $30,000, so... That would have been a good investment to resell those. Um, But then the commentator spontaneously started singing. And she started, and you might know this, if you know, I I might be the last person to know this song, um, but this song is amazing. I'm gonna put it up to my mic here. Hopefully the internets won't shut us down. We'll just stop it there. Oh, it's an earworm. I, I warn you, it's an ear. You will get it. I, I, I was mesmerized. I'm a Swifty, it turns out. Um, is that what they called them, I think? It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. Kudos to her for admitting what we all know <laughs> and what we as Christians should be at the forefront of admitting. I'm the problem. All those problems in my life, they seem to follow me everywhere I go <laughs> because it turns out the problem starts here. And this is our invitation to low anthropology. But here's the thing, right? Here's what we've been trying to understand. It's actually high anthropology that beats us up. It's that high anthropology that says, you gotta eat the right thing. You gotta have the right diet. You gotta, you gotta exercise the right body. You gotta have the right, you, you, you know, it's that you can do it. You're enough, you're amazing. Because the subtext of that story is, and if you don't measure up, well, you're a failure. There's something wrong with you. So it, again, are we getting, that's the counterintuitive kind of twist of high anthropology. The more we try to say we're amazing and great, the more we end up tearing one another down. But a gracious, biblically informed, low anthropology says, no, 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 no. Like our first week when we got into it. No, let's admit we're lost. And we need Jesus to find us. We're sick. And we need Jesus the great physician to come in and save us. It is that invitation, that lowly invitation to say all of us need a Lord, we need a God, we need a savior, we need healing, we need wholeness, we need restoration and praise be to God, it comes to us through Jesus Christ, our savior and Lord. And there we can offer grace to ourselves and there we can become a community that begins to offer grace then to one another. And we don't beat one another up for saying, oh, you know what? You you know, you're struggling at school. Guess what? I did too. Even took a semester off. 
needed a break, needed to figure some things out. Oh, I mean, you're, you're, you're struggling, uh, you know, in your parenting. Guess what? I don't have it all figured out as well. Can we pray for one another? Oh, great, you're, you're having some tension in the marriage. Makes perfect sense. You put two lowly people together and you're gonna have some conflict once in a while. Let's talk about that. Let's pray about that. Let's nurture that together. That's the beautiful invitation of low anthropology. And that's what the series has been about. And so far we've hit, we're gonna call it kind of the, uh, the trifecta, the trinity of a low anthropology, uh, kind of the first leg of the low anthropology. And this all from, uh, based on a book from David Zoll, low anthropology, pick it up, read it. He's smarter than me. Um, limitation. The first leg is this uh, addressing the fact of we're limited people. We have limited energy, we have limited intellect, we have limited opportunity, we're limited people. So we go to the unlimited, abounding blessing and grace of God. Last week we talked about our doubleness. Love that passage, that deep, deep passage from Romans chapter seven. You know, these things that I say I wanna do, I don't always do it. These things that I say I don't wanna do, I catch myself doing it. Oh God, keep working your sanctification, keep drawing me closer to you. Uh, we don't wanna sort of just like live there in that defeat, but we also know we're not gonna achieve perfection. So let's graciously just try to work towards a greater integration and wholeness of our lives. And today we're gonna dig down here onto the last leg and that is our selfishness. We are selfish people. Am I shocking or offending anybody by telling you you're selfish? I mean, is anybody taken aback? Are you gobsmacked? What, me selfish? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping not, because I'd like to get on to some other things. If we're gonna be honest, we have a natural proclivity, this turning towards ourselves, towards ourselves. And if we only have a natural way of looking at the world, it makes perfect sense that we turn inwardly on ourselves. But when we turn inwardly on ourselves, what we discover is we begin to consume ourselves. I gotta make a, my own confession here, tell a story about somebody else in the circle of my life. I couldn't tell it about anybody here, so just rest assured, I'm not talking about any of you, but there's a guy in my life that I avoid like the plague. The first time I met him, we had a nice conversation and uh, kind, of, uh, kind of walked away and I thought, wow, he talked a lot about himself. Ah, maybe he's just having a moment, maybe just having a day, had to get some things out, but it was just, you know, he, talk, he talked everything about himself and oh, whatever, you know, we'll see how it goes. And I bumped into him again and um, it kind of happened again. There's kind of this really long diatribe about himself. And, and I walked away from that and I was like, I don't know if he knows I'm married. Um, he certainly doesn't know I'm a parent. He, I don't think he knows what I do. I was like, I don't think he knows anything about me because he has yet to ask me anything about myself. After the third time it happened, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I don't know, but I'm kind of not ashamed. I just kind of avoid him now unless I know I'm prepared to hear about his life and share nothing about my life. He, he truly, and I'm saying this in a compassionate, low anthropology way, he is pathologically turned inward on himself. I mean, truly, he is pathologically, I believe, sadly, turned inward on himself. And if I'm honest, and if I would be able to like have this like replay video reel of episodes in my life, I'm sure there's moments when I would look at myself and I'd be like, George, there was a time or season or moments and you were pathologically turned inward on yourself. 
There are times when you were making it more about you than the other. There are many times when you were seeking to be more understood than to understand. Times when you were seeking to be heard than to hear others. Hopefully with the nurturing, growing, maturing, sanctifying work of God in my life, I'm able to maybe move that forward a little bit. But this is the natural disposition of our lives to keep turning inward on ourselves. We see this in our kids all the time. Our kids, let's be fair about it, our kids can be wonderfully, joyfully caring and sharing and compassionate and interested in others. But am I going to, again, offend or shock any parents by saying, there's never a day in our lives as parents are like, okay, kids, today is the day we're gonna teach you to be selfish. We're gonna teach you how to not share. We're gonna teach you how to take things from your siblings. We're gonna teach you how to make it all about. No, these are lessons we never have to have with our children because we know we, in fact, have to have the opposite lesson to nurture them away from what is many of their natural dispositions to only make it about themselves. Because naturally, again, we keep wanting to turn in on ourselves. But here's the hook now. Thanks be to God, we don't have to just live naturally, right? Let's turn the corner. Thanks be to God, we as a people of faith And I hope you are a people of faith. If not, I invite you to become a person of faith. I invite you to invite this transformation to begin working its way into your heart and your soul and your mind. And we can begin to live super naturally. If our natural disposition is to turn in on ourselves, it is probably going to take a supernatural transformation to begin to live the outward, other turned life. And that is the invitation of our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's a very interesting thing. I always remind, you know, need to be reminded of this. I remind you of this. All those miracles, all those works of Jesus, they weren't so much miracles in the sense of they were aberrations of what is supposed to be. They were episodes, they were windows, they are glimpses of simply a returning to the way things are supposed to be. When Jesus heals a sick person, well, sickness is the aberration. Wholeness is what is intended. Whenever he gives a blind person sight, blindness isn't what is intended. Clear vision, seeing the world as it is, God for who God is, us for who we are, is the way it's supposed to be. So God has always has these turnings, these supernatural turnings. So in a sense, what we wanna say is that simply turning from ourselves to God and to others is the way it's supposed to be. But in our condition, fallen, in sin, broken, needing restoration, it needs to take a supernatural filling and power to begin to turn us in that new direction. Thanks be to God, he works that into and through our lives. In our passage then, Paul begins to walk through and to teach us how this outwardly turned, Jesus-centered life is supposed to start to look. Paul is in a sense inviting us to simply uh, draw closer, keep drawing closer to Jesus. I, I love his, his, his language here. I just, I'm not going to come up on the screen. I just want to repeat some of these words for us. If you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, well, before you just try to like work on yourself or muster up the insight or muster up the strength, oh, I got to be more selfless. I got to turn from selfishness. Just, you know, he says, just take encouragement 
from first being united with Christ. Take comfort from his love. Allow yourself to experience the comforting love of Jesus in your life. If any common sharing in the spirit, yes, Lord Jesus, the same spirit that rose you from the dead is the same spirit at work in my life and is the spirit at work in the lives of my brothers and sisters. Let's share in the comfort of this spirit. Um, if any tenderness and compassion, you gotta love that. If you've experienced the tenderness and compassion of Jesus, and let me just hit on this again with our low anthropology emphasis in this past season, Oh, friends, remember, he comes to us gently and humbly. He comes to us with tender and compassion. If you've been presented a brutal Jesus who beats you into submission, go to the Jesus that we have revealed to us in the scriptures, who Paul says here comes to us with tenderness and compassion. And I love the turn now. I love it. It's, it's kind of a neat rhetorical tool that he has here. Make my joy complete. He's like, okay, if you love me, if you respect me, if we're like in community together, he's like, you know what would bring me the most joy? It would be so awesome for me if we became like-minded, living in the same love. We had this one spirit and one mind, and then kind of that turn, do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit and humility. And there it is. Value others above yourselves. I mean, there's that resistance, of course. God first, others second, me third. I don't know, do I really want to be third? Well, yeah, you do. <laughs> ah, put God first, I get that. Others before me, really? Yeah, really, really. Put others before yourself. And looking not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then that final hook, he says, just have now the same mindset of Jesus. And he, and he points us then to Jesus because this is the only way it's going to happen is if we turn to Jesus and surrender ourselves to him who surrendered his life for us, who spent his life for us. And let me say that again and say that more intentionally so we let that soak in and sink in a little bit deeper. He literally spent his life for us, right? We're about to come into the Advent season, this wonderful Christmas season, and it starts with a beautiful story of talking about his incarnation. The glorious God becomes incarnate so that he might give himself for us. Wonderful God, mighty counselor, everlasting father, the prince of peace becomes incarnate, a baby in a manger to spend his life for us. In the work of his ministry, we see he just spends himself in ministry and service to others. He pours out his time. He pours out his energies. He pours out his love and his life, healing the sick, giving eyesight to the blind, feeding the hungry. People reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And, and, and he's so willing to allow himself to be spent for others that it says like power just somehow like is spent from him that brings healing to those that touch him. I don't even, I can't even fully wrap my head around that, to be honest, but he was just allowing himself to be poured out and spent for the healing, for the blessing of others. And we even look to his last night on earth, the night that he would be betrayed. 
I mean, if you or I are about to be betrayed, if you or I are about to make like the greatest sacrifice of all, we'd be like, well, at least let me have a moment where somebody might, you know, like do something for me. <laughs> like, at least give me like a shoulder rub or give me a nice meal or something. And what does he do? He walks into the room. They all walk into the room. They're all dusty. They're all dirty. They've all trod across the, you know, Judean landscape. It was hot. It was dirty. And they all get there. And and think about this, you probably know the story I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards. They all would have seen that bowl, that basin of water and those towels there. They all would have known it was a job that was customarily supposed to have been done. And they all walked by it and they all took their place except Jesus. And he took that basin and he took that towel and even on his last night, when he would spend it all, literally spend to his last breath, a life of selfless sacrifice for us, he was still willing to take that basin and to take that towel and to serve his disciples. And then just to say, so if I've done this for you, can't you do this for others? And the testimony of our lives so often says, no, no, I won't do that for others. No, no, sorry. I see the example. I see the model. I hear the command. And the answer is no, Jesus. The invitation to the selfless life from Jesus tells us this. You can spend your whole life pursuing money, pursuing fame, pursuing power, pursuing prestige, pursuing the best new thing, pursuing the car, pursuing the better home, pursuing the better vacation, pursuing the Instagram influencer status checkmark or things that seem to be of value or importance to people now. And you could gain all that stuff, but Jesus gives us this one simple warning. In the process, you could lose your soul could lose yourself actually and trying to find yourself so desperately. But if you lose yourself in worship and service to me and to others, I'll give you this simple blessing that you could be blessed. <laughs> you could be blessed. Last night we had a little event here with some of our key volunteers and it was a lot of fun. And as I sat there at the table as I looked around that room, I was just so struck and so touched at the servants that I saw in the space gathered here. The people who just serve this community week in and week out, looking around to see people who come in at the crack of dawn here to serve and lead us in worship, to come and to get all the lights turned on, the technology running, and they just serve us and worship. Thank you to everybody who serves our Lord Jesus Christ and serves us as a community in worship. To watch our volunteers come in and to get ready to run the nursery and care for our kids and to serve our youngest in such a manner. Thank you for that. Our children's ministry volunteers, you know, who go into those rooms and try to herd cats and just <laughs> love these kids into the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for serving. Those of you who I look around and I know you serve by showing up during days of the week and you're here to change a light bulb or to meet with somebody to fix a HVAC 
unit or to talk with somebody because alarm's not working and just week in and week out, day in and day out, make sure we have a beautiful facility to be a blessing to our people and to our community. Thank you so much for serving. But here's what I'm gonna do right now. I'm gonna ask you to do more because what we do here isn't enough. It's not enough that we serve one another like the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. We need to serve our community as well. We're sort of in this in-between stage with what it's gonna look like to work with the severe weather shelter network and the winter shelter network. In the past, we were trying to be a part of churches that were open all the time so that if people needed shelter, um, that they could have a place to be. But that model's running into some roadblocks and some difficulties. But guess what? The homeless and hungry people are still there in our community. My own wife, while I was out living it up this week, having an awesome time at the University of uh, Wisconsin, uh, you know, going to these giant buffets and there's cheese everywhere you went. I don't know what that was all about. Every, at the back of the room of every single event at the University of Wisconsin, they have a giant table of cheese. Who would have imagined? My wife was spending nights at the Severe Weather Shelter Network feeding people, housing people. There are some people that just didn't have clean underwear and clean socks. And so she had to run to the store. She had to buy packs of those things. She had to bring it back and she had to give those things away so that people could have the basic hygiene that we would all want for ourselves. So this coming Christmas season, we're gonna ask you to give to ministries like that. I know we have a team right now working on some things uh, with our families at Sand Creek Elementary. And whenever we decorate for Christmas this coming Saturday, everybody gonna be here Saturday morning, come and decorate? Everybody's, yeah, everybody's like, no, I'm not coming to decorate. No, no, some of you will, please do. It's fun, we'll have food, we'll make it a party. Many hands makes the burden light. We can bang it out real quick here, but we're gonna have trees there and those trees are gonna have ornaments on them. And those ornaments are gonna have things that you're gonna buy that we're gonna give to families that otherwise couldn't afford to have anything under the tree on Christmas morning. And I know you're gonna fill every one of those needs because you've never failed in the past. It's not enough for us to just keep serving one another. We need to get this service out into the community, into our neighbors' lives to know that we are working with the power of the Spirit in our lives to try and turn this inwardly focused, self-centered life out to Jesus and out to others because that's what he modeled for us and that's the life he invites us to step into. Real quick, let me just say three things that are gonna stand in the way of that. Okay, good, I got, I got, got a minute here. We know this. Uh, just ponder these things. There's three roadblocks that often stand in the way of our service. Uh, we, we say we're too busy, we think we're too important, or we think we're too insignificant. Let me just say that in reverse order. Ironically, many people think they're too insignificant, which is sort of like a twisted <clears throat> low anthropology. Let me say that again. Some of you might suffer from a twisted low anthropology that says, no, no, I'm not good enough to serve. I'm not important enough to serve. I don't have the gifts to serve. Martin Luther King Jr. said, anybody can be great because anybody can serve. 
If you are insecure in your walk and your faith with Jesus Christ and you are insecure in yourself, you might not be freed yet to live a life of service. So I want to say if you are suffering from a twisted low anthropology that doesn't affirm that you are a child of God, that doesn't affirm that you have gifts, that doesn't affirm that you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you, that doesn't affirm that God has a calling on your life, that does not affirm that you can do great things in his name by serving, then please hear that he has called you, he has equipped you, he will give you all that you stand in need of to serve others. And serving doesn't have to be big and glamorous. In fact, the more I think about it, the more I'm experiencing my life, it is the mundanely small little things that touch my life so much. Last week, after the service, I walked into my office and there's a gift basket there. It had a loaf of pumpkin bread and a couple cookies and a couple brownies. And I know that Grace delivered it because she likes to bake. That was so, that was so amazing. <laughs> and how easy was that for her? Your acts of service do not have to be awesome. <laughs> and just aim for the little things. It's those little things that touch lives so deeply. Okay, so some of us suffer from that twisted, sort of distorted low anthropology. No, 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 no. God has infused and filled you with glory that you can use to bless other people. Some of us though, we're on the other end. We, we're just, we just think we're too important. We just think we're you know, all that and a bag of chips. We just think I'm not gonna serve unless it brings me glory and gets my name in neon lights and brings me accolades. And if you are suffering from that high anthropology, well, to you, I'm gonna say, come with Robin and I to the next shelter night. And that's all I have to say about that because we'll bring you down a couple notches and then maybe you'll be ready to serve. The last thing though is a lot of us most often just suffer from saying we're too busy because we're all busy. What's that old expression? If the devil can't make you bad, it make you busy. It, it, as trite as that can seem, it's true for most of us, right? We would profess a desire to serve and to give and to help others. But we always can say we have one more meeting, one more thing to do, one more thing on the list, one more task. We can always say we're too busy. And I'm not saying you're not busy. I'm just saying at some point in your life, you need to say the busyness can't be an excuse anymore. And I'm going to prioritize serving. I'm actually going to just raise serving to the top of the list like the Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan, oh, I could preach a whole message on it. You don't wanna stick around for another half hour. Good Samaritan, guy's walking down the road, he gets beat up, left for dead, and a priest comes by, no, no, I gotta get to the church, I gotta deliver a message, I gotta administrate the worship of God. Great excuse to not serve. Another guy comes by, he's a Levite, he's supposed to serve there too, he's got a great excuse not to serve. I can't get dirty, I can't become unclean, I wouldn't be able to serve God. And then a Samaritan who clearly had nothing else to do with his life, no. <laughs> a Samaritan who was on his way to do something, an appointment, uh, an, an event, uh, we, I, who knows what it is. He was on his way to do something, but he just said that thing needs to wait a moment because this person in front of me who's gonna die is more important than anything that's supposed to happen in my life right now. I pray that we just have eyes to see clearly when the person in front of us is more important than the thing 
that we might have on our to-do list. I invite the band to come up. They're going to get ready to take us out and worship. And as they do, I want to tell you a final concluding story here to maybe drive this home, this whole idea of this invitation to low anthropology. Right before the pandemic, uh, the NPR released a story, and it was called What It's Like to Be on the Blacklist in China's New Social Credit System. Did you hear this story? Anybody catch this one? What it's like to be on the blacklist in China's new social credit system. A man named Wao Duan, I might not be pronouncing that right, and a story caught my attention because he was a coal miner in China, and my own grandfather was a coal miner and gave his life and his health to those mines. Well, as the coal industry was waning in China a few years ago, Luau ran into some debts. And he racked up, you know, a couple things that took some notches, knocks off of his credit score. And then one day, he went to buy a train ticket to go see some of his family. And he found that his credit had been denied and they had canceled all of his cards. And he was quite shocked and hurt and offended by all of that. And then he was driving down the road shortly thereafter. And they had recently then installed a new billboard. And on the billboard, they would flash people's pictures and they would flash their names and they would say, this man is untrustworthy. And they had been put on the untrustworthy list. And then from that moment and the days following, he found out how he is becoming ostracized by his community. He'd go to the store to buy something and be turned out. He'd go to a restaurant and they'd say there is no table for him. He'd go to visit with somebody or talk with somebody and they would turn their back on him. But then he started to see the names and the faces of some of his former fellow coal miners from the community on that same billboard. So he had an idea. Why don't I try to connect with these other untrustworthies? And the other untrustworthies were touched, were thrilled, were so excited to have somebody reach out to them. And one or two untrustworthies became three or four untrustworthies. And pretty soon they found themselves this small little band of untrustworthies. And then the community started to look at this band of untrustworthies and they'd say, who are you to have so much fun, to have so much joy, to have so much laughter in your group? You're the untrustworthies. And they were being looked down upon as the fellowship then of the untrustworthies. But what the untrustworthies found is that they had actually finally found that place where they could lay down their high anthropology and they could just bask in the low anthropology, the lowliness of being the untrustworthies together. And so my friends here, Connections Church, my friends here in this body of Christ, I would like to invite you to make this to be a fellowship of the lowly, to allow this place to become a fellowship of the broken a fellowship of the hurt, a fellowship of the wounded, a fellowship of sinners in need of a savior, a fellowship of lost people who are found in Jesus Christ. Is that the kind of community you'd like to be a part of, friends? We can make it. We can make this that kind of a community. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for inviting us into this fellowship of sinners who found a savior, a fellowship of lost sheep who found a shepherd, 
a fellowship of your children who've been welcomed in from the darkness and found our home with you. I pray that would be Connections Church and your church around your world. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's worship.